Hello and welcome to E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. Welcome back to the podcast. This week we're talking with Heather at Thompson Johnson Woodworks. We are talking a lot about the hashtag move over Bob movement with women in construction and how they got there, but also energy efficiency, high performance and building science, since that's why people tune into this podcast. So Heather, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into construction. Hey, Emily. I, so um, it was sort of non-linear process. My, uh, I went to art school after I graduated my Ex-husband and I came back to Maine and started building furniture. We owned an art gallery, blah, blah, blah. We ended up moving to Peaks Island, and when we moved to Peaks, we decided to start uh, uh, renovating houses. And we started out with small jobs, and it quickly ballooned into a company with, um, I think we had 15 employees at one point uh, in, like, 2006. After... The crash, he and I split up. I went away for a year and worked for someone else, and then I decided I wanted to come back, and I bought the company from him in 2011. And um, that's how I got into construction. <laughs> that's great. Uh, any other suggestions for other women? Um, one of the things that we talk about a little bit is, you know, how do we mentor other women to get into construction? It's like, you can do it. You can own a construction company. No big deal. Right. So. Um, it's it's sort of the Wild West still, right? Yeah. Anyone can be a builder in Maine. Anyone. So sure. there's no requi- there's no licensing. There's no training required. If you have a truck and a tool belt, you can be a contractor. You can be a contractor. So the bar for entry is pretty low, which is, I think, good. The question is how to get experience and to get into the field. Yeah. I think people are a lot more open to women uh, working in construction than they used to be. I think they are too. And to be perfectly honest, I've had so many contractors in the last two or three years with the labor shortage just say, I'd be happy with somebody who shows up every day, which is a pretty low bar to set. So we don't have any women on the crew right now, but um, I'd like to have some women on the crew. Uh, What's really funny to me is the contrast in um, applications between women and men. Uh, Men don't send resumes generally they generally don't send photographs they generally don't read the ad women will like write a beautiful cover letter they're willing to be apprentices they'll offer to work for free which is very depressing it's funny the way that people approach men we've i've had many applications from men who are very young and have no experience and are selling themselves in a way that make them sound like they have a ton of experience and basically every application I get from a woman says I have no experience I don't know what I'm doing but I'll work for free so it's something to think about and uh, if you want to get into something don't offer to work for free (laughs) yeah take it if you know that you have value and you're going to add value to a company present yourself like you're going to add value to the company and don't be afraid to yeah 
or you know even argue for you know starting uh three months you know here definitely never for free but you know maybe whatever's the the lowest rate getting into construction i mean do your homework people get paid to go out there and do it and men have to start from scratch somewhere too right you know and maybe in maine there's you know people who take over companies from their family um i don't know if that's a thing everywhere else in the country or you know people who have worked for that but for the most part you have to get experience somehow i know um i'm an architect but when i was in high school we did habitat for humanity and my grandfather was a contractor and so the two of us would go out and he's still in his 80s now says anything you build fall down and i'm like (laughs) well no (laughs) did you ask him the same question I uh, I should ask him that. You know that I never really thought to do that. He worked in really big uh, commercial construction, so it's kind of funny because I I do a lot smaller scale, but still, when I take something to him, I show him a project that I've done. You, you know, you can tell he's proud. Somebody went into the construction field like he did. So, right. um, but it was fun. But that was how I got into it. Is it, if you do need a little bit of experience, sometimes working for somebody like Habitat for Humanity or that. Um, you know, a uh, organization just to as a preface or something. You know, go work a weekend and see if you like swinging a hammer or <laughs> right, and be know. persistent. Right. I mean, I, I'm thinking more about like how do you how do you just get into how do you get a job? Period. Right. Yeah. Like people are so busy. If you're persistent, and you go to the place and you talk to the owner, and then you go back the week later. And then you keep doing that, and uh, right, yeah, people are more likely to hire yeah, you for sure. We do. I mean, the 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 problem that we're running into, and I think this is universal, is that we need to hire people with experience right now, right now. And yeah. that's there's a there's a shortage of experienced carpenters everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. There's just there just aren't experienced carpenters who don't already have work. So. That's the thing that we're trying to, every single company is trying to figure that out. How yeah. do you get people who with experience to, to come onto your crew? I think that's actually a big problem in the industry across the board because I read an article recently that the same problem was happening with architects is there are a lot of architects who are still working into their 60s and 70s because there's a lack of kind of experience in the middle for some reason. Right. Um, and I don't know if some of that was that people got out during some of those low times. I mean, in 2009, it was considered gainfully unemployed to be an architect, right. probably similar right. with building, um, you know, as if people put a hold on it, they weren't building and people got out of the field and didn't come back. Right. Um, and and the, so, yeah, that was the same thing in construction. Yeah, in construction. And, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of aging in the subcontractor base. I mean, the last project that we did, our our concrete guy is 75. Our electrician is in his 70s. And, you know, it's just... Our drywaller is like 20, though. So (laughs) that's good. You know, hopefully that means that that there's more. Um, And I've talked a lot on the podcast about panelized construction, and we've been doing more with panelized construction, which I think helps the next generation, both male and female, but also with getting female workers into the field is when you can do some of the really heavy lifting with cranes 
um, in Benson Woods factory, you don't even have to pick up a piece of drywall or a piece of plywood. They have hydraulic lifts that move it. I mean, you could be significantly older in the construction industry Mm -hmm. because it's not quite as labor intensive. I don't know if you feel like that keeps some people from joining the industry is, you know, the hard the heart? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's as much of an issue as just the gender bias that girls teach and boys play with trucks or <laughs> make houses. I, yeah, I mean, I think if someone's interested in construction and making things, um, there's ways to get around. I mean, you have to be physically able to do the work, but yeah. you don't need to, uh, you know, two pieces of plywood by yourself. Right. Right. There's ways to work that are smart, that everyone should employ so they don't hurt themselves. So Absolutely. if you're trying to over drag something down the whatever up a hill, you know, that's, you know, 12,000 pounds by yourself, that's just dumb. Right? Yeah. So and then, when that brings us to, you know, we both uh, do a lot of high performance and energy efficiency work. And uh, I was talking with Steve Constantino at uh, Performance Building Supply, and he was talking about one of the big window door sliders that they had gotten as a a triple pane that you know showed up on site and the driveways on one side and this thing needs to be installed down the hill on the other side of the house it's like it doesn't matter who you are you're not getting that thing to the other side (laughs) of the house no I forget how much he told me it weighed but you know it's just astronomical how some of these energy uh, efficient windows and glazings are just massive yeah we have a a delivery coming next week that well the windows got damaged but the big windows are going to weigh at least a thousand pounds each so we're going to hire a piece of equipment (laughs) to move those windows around right so so then when you start talking about that you talk about equipment and doing things safe and uh, you know, panelized wall construction standing with cranes or, you know, unpacking with lulls and moving, you know, different equipment. It's sort of a reminder that, you know, it doesn't have to be so difficult to move some of these right. things. You just have to plan ahead for it. And, and I don't know um, how you feel about it, but you really take the time to look at a proposal and make sure that you don't leave things out. Is that something that you feel is specific to you as a company or uh, you as a female? I don't know. I'd like to say it's because uh, I'm a female, but I, you know, we just care a lot about doing things right. Mm-hmm. And it's me and 10 men everyone sort of buys into that so I guess it's not a female trait it's just a quality well or it's maybe it's not a female trait but maybe it is you as you as the head of the company you've sort of imparted that wisdom down on them like we need to care about each one of these pieces um I work with Patrice Capaletti a lot with Live Solar Maine, and the best thing about working with her, someone had said to me, um, you know, why do you like working with her? And I said, because she never says, well, that's not my problem. She's always like, okay, well, what's the solution? You know, because something's going to come up on a construction site. I mean, I wish that people were perfect, but it's never going to happen that way. You're going to have something that you either weren't prepared for in a renovation you opened a wall and you found all kinds of things and the best response is okay well how do we 
How do create we a solution and move forward and move yeah. forward to that doesn't matter whose fault it was or it doesn't matter why it happened or it doesn't matter what it is but what's the most cost-effective solution that we can do to keep this project moving forward right and so I felt that that was a female trait that she brought to the table that was kind of like okay this is a cool new design puzzle how do we figure it out instead of well you know so-and-so didn't put that on the plans or, you know, so-and-so lumber company sent us the wrong thing or, you know. Well, and I think attitudes in, I think that construction uh, builders are getting more professional. Yeah. And I think that um, people are moving away from blaming. I mean, if if you're working with someone who is like a responsible adult, they're not (laughs) going to blame the people behind them for a mistake that just got found or whatever, right? It's a team Everyone is working together to support each other. That includes the customer and the subs and, you know, anyone who comes in. If anyone's, like, bad-mouthing someone else because they want to cover up their shitty work, then yeah, they're yeah. assholes. Yeah, they're <laughs> assholes, and they get voted off the island, exactly. as we like to say. Like, and, I mean, maybe maybe it is, like, a female trader. I, I just like to think that it's, it's a trait of responsible people that, you know, we're working together. Yeah. And we're here to support each other. And like, this is the point of construction. It's not adversarial. Yeah. It's you're, you're making the biggest thing you're ever going to make in your life. Everyone's on equal ground. Yeah, I agree. And we work with plenty of male builders as well who are bringing something to the table that they are responsible adults. They're more than the company that put a sticker on the side of their truck and we're, we're a construction company right. one day. You know, they're really looking to push the envelope of energy efficiency because that's the other aspect for us is we're really looking for people who are open-minded and willing to try some crazy new technology right. that uh, maybe shouldn't be as new as it is. Yeah. Uh, air ceiling's been around for a long time now. And in theory, we've known how to keep water out of our buildings and yet doesn't always happen. Right. <laughs> so, right. so we're really just trying to push for a higher quality product right. in general anyway. So we <laughs> practice integrated design. Um, I know I mentioned that we like to have the builder in as early as design development to really get the best project. If everybody understands what the goal of the project is, it's just a better Mm-hmm. product in the end you right. know what what's important and if you have to get to a point where you value engineer something that you don't value engineer out whatever was critical in you know the the building trade and that they can call the architect during construction and say hey we you know couldn't get a product and we need to switch to this is that okay right or um you know we need to take a different approach here is there anything else that this is going to affect by changing something right um which i think is critical so we really find that it's important to have the builder involved as early in design as possible mm-hmm. um and then for us as the architect to stay involved during construction to answer any questions or talk about something um I know you do a lot of work in the southern part of the state and out on Peaks Island. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about your specific company goals for energy efficiency or what projects you like to do. I mean, we do everything, right? I mean, the customer has to be willing and able to spend the extra money to do a high-performing house. But we always try to... The things that we always put into every job, and it doesn't matter, it's just our standard, is we're going to air seal, right? If you're pulling off siding... It doesn't make sense not to put up an air barrier. Right. 
Um, we always put a rain screen behind our siding and our trim. We're always gonna use dense pack cellulose if we can, unless it's like in a basement. We're committed to using less foam, to no foam. And um, you know, once we get the fiberboard insulation in Maine being made locally, we'll definitely switch to that and yeah. stop using exterior polyiso or whatever. So we want we want to work for people who want to build highly efficient houses and who don't give a shit about marble countertops over insulation. Over insulation. Insulation and comfort never go out of style. <laughs> it's so funny because the things that are so critically important to do are usually not the pretty things in the building. Right. But you live in a house that's well designed with moderate finishes and and is highly energy efficient and it's the most comfortable happy house you're going to live in so we spend a lot of time in the design process you know making sure the windows are in the right location and that we don't have too many windows or we we um are really targeting the you know how does the space itself feel and you know where does the sun track across the the house all day long depending on what you're doing and where you are in the house and and if you have to put in a formica countertop for a couple of years the 24 panel solar array that's on your roof is gonna save you so much money in utilities um the first house we built here in our five lot subdivision i think cost like 11 dollars a month to live and part of that is uh, cmp has to charge you something to be connected to the grid That's amazing. So yeah, yeah. So we're really working on the quality of this space, and it's right. not as big of a deal if you've got you know some some kind of countertop that maybe you have to change. It's like, oh, this is the easy part to to do right you, later. That's, on. You can change it later. So if the layout's well done and the the bones of the house are super bomb proof, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I love marble countertops, but. It's so easy to get wrapped up in in the the finished decisions and agonize over it and oh my god it's the most important thing and then you live in your house for six months and you don't care anymore right it's just your house it's hard to keep that in perspective when you're when you're planning something or in the middle of building but right it's also part of the reason why we like to have the builder involved really early in the design process because um although i'm an architect i'm also a hers rater so we build energy models of all of our houses and so then we can say Hey, Heather, what's it going to cost to switch from, you know, we'll say fiberglass. I never use the word fiberglass and I'm not saying I ever use fiberglass, but (laughs) what's it going to cost me to switch from fiberglass to cellulose insulation? And then we can go back and say to the homeowner, like switching between these types of insulation is going to save you $300 a year and that'll pay for itself in two years, you know, or... Um, yeah, you really need that air barrier, but that air barrier is going to cut down on your air infiltration by 30%, and that's going to save itself in six months. Right. So you can really prove to somebody that even though they might have to make a bigger upfront investment, the amount of money they save every month is going to offset the cost of a slightly higher mortgage if they're taking out a mortgage or repayment to however they finance their project. Mm-hmm. So that's a critical piece to kind of getting people over the over the hump of spending a little bit more money on energy efficiency. And I tell people there are some things that you can do that are absolutely free. It doesn't cost you anything to orient the building the correct way. Right. Right. <laughs> things that they knew in ancient Rome 
that somehow we sort of <laughs> forgot about, you know, they don't all have to face the street and be like one after another, the driveway flip flopped and right. you know, in our five lot subdivision, they're all oriented to the Southern exposure for, for solar. So they actually point between the houses. So when you look out your kitchen window, you're not like, Oh, Hey, there's the neighbor wave. Right. Uh, you know, you're trying to there's a benefit to it aside from just orientation to get as much optimal solar as possible. But, you know, I don't mind if you live in a neighborhood, but do you really want to touch the neighbor's house when you're standing there or look at their, you know, in their kitchen window? So every morning you're making coffee, they're making coffee and you wave to each other. Right. And that's it. And then you drive into their driveway by accident. Yeah. You come home from work. (laughs) So... Um, so that's what we kind of enjoy doing as part of uh, high performance is really helping people to kind of understand that some things don't have to cost more. And you mm-hmm. know what? If we really pick the windows in the right locations and what you actually want to look at and we can use less windows, I mean, windows never pay for themselves. Right. So if we can cut down on how many we have, the energy performance automatically goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to live in a hovel like we don't live in caves for a reason anymore so if you really track the pattern of the sun across the space you can have a huge impact on the interior right space i don't know if there's anything else that you feel is kind of unique i have one experience yes (laughs) okay (laughs) i mean so it's hard but what i can say about my company yeah um we have highly intelligent kind smart people who we don't have screaming or yelling. We don't freak out if something happens. We yeah. figure it out. Yeah. We um, all the subs we work with are problem solvers, and you know maybe we hire a yeller by accident, but we don't hire them again. Um, we're committed to high performance and best building practices. Yeah. Right. And everyone's on board with that. Like everyone wants to do that. We have a couple guys who really like Azek trim and I am trying to beat it out of them but only you know like they're using it tiny bit everyone's really interested everyone likes working hard right mm-hmm. so we just have a company culture I've owned TJW now for seven years and I mean we had it was great before and since since I bought it and I've been running it where well actually I mean I guess the the difference is well I'm running it so I mean we're we're trying to like connect with more people and and actually learn stuff we've joined Nessie we're a member of a builder uh, peer group Mm -hmm. which has made a huge difference for us we have workers comp we have benefits we have holidays we have vacations like I'm treating the I want people to work for me and feel like oh this is a career it's not just a job for six months you know so I don't know if that's because I'm a woman or because it's just good practice yeah it's integrity and yeah yeah. no and I I don't know the answer to that either and I respond all the time is I love to have uh, females on here and I love to inspire other females to get into the field because we can do it and we should do it and there's nothing that should stop us and we shouldn't charge less or um, feel like we have to prove ourselves because we don't because we don't right Um, but at the same time I think that sometimes you do feel like you have this culture where you really want to grow that and and whether it's because you're a female or whether it's because you're just a conscientious person the open-mindedness that you provide in 
we're going to learn things about Nessie. We're not going to do it the same way for that we've done it for the last 25 years because right. maybe there is a better way. And we're going to really inspire the people who work for us to grow with us to, to be a career and build our business. And I don't know if that's unique to us or not uh, as, as females, but I think that it's definitely something that we respond very well to. Right. That, yeah, that is the right way to do it. And it's great that that's how you're doing it. Right, right. So um, I think to end the podcast, we always do a you don't know what you don't know segment. And we love to hear uh, stories about either a contractor, a subcontractor, or a homeowner where you thought that uh, you either explained something well or you thought they just knew and they didn't. So do you have any imparting wisdom for our listeners Ugh. on what maybe they didn't know or what (laughs) you didn't know they didn't know i am a terrible explainer i'm developing a large building on peaks island okay it's gonna be pretty fucking awesome uh it'll be four apartments it's place for my office it's an old bowling alley uh it's the largest project i've ever done um it'll be close to net zero you know great which is amazing um but what i don't know is that i'm the worst customer ever (laughs) so (laughs) what the things that i have learned gcing this project and owning it are at the start of a project make sure you have a full set of plans don't change things along the way because if you've done your homework up front you won't need to that's the biggest biggest one for a lot of reasons we didn't do that it's a it's a very large project it's been going on for a while we're almost done which is amazing and it's going to be awesome and I'm so excited about it but the biggest lesson is hire an architect (laughs) and also an engineer to do your uh, mechanical design if you can find an there's a a company on Peaks Island who does excavation and they're incredible and they weren't available and we hired someone else and I mean it's fine it works Uh, hire good people don't cut corners Having you as the uh, client is really an interesting <laughs> idea that you don't, all the things that we tell our clients all the right. time, or, you know, this is that, or, um, yeah, we can work with this set of plans that's maybe a design development set right. of plans that they got uh, online from somebody, or they got, uh, you know, so far with their architect and then decided, well, I got a price, so that should be good enough. Right. Um, and just because you can figure it out in the field maybe isn't the reason you should figure right. it out in the right. field. And that having you as the client really understanding the level of where a full set of plans would have gotten you. Right. Um, it isn't necessarily what happens because a good contractor is able to figure some things out in the field. We actually talked about this. I think Naomi and I talked about this from Passive House Meme. Somehow in the construction industry, we've gotten into a culture where the architect will write on the plans for the contractor to verify or figure it out in the field. And the contractor will say, well, the architect didn't put it on the plans. And so it seems to be a, it's nobody's responsibility game. And we want to try to get away from that and say, we want to put as much information as we possibly can into our plans so that you don't have to figure it out in the field. And you might have some changes, some minor changes. From our perspective with residential construction is a lot of our clients don't understand 
the built product in three dimensions from a 2D set of plans. Right. Yep. We use a lot of 3D rendering now, which has really helped to bridge the gap. But even so, sometimes when they go and they do a walkthrough on site, they'll say, oh, you know, I really didn't envision that quite how that space worked out. So can we move this or change that? And it might be something minor, which is easy enough. We do lighting plans because if you... Uh, in my experience, if you let your electrician do the lighting plan, you sort of end up with some interesting, easier to wire things than how you may functionally use a space. Um, and so we do lighting plans, but then we also require our homeowners to do a walkthrough during construction with the electrician just right, to verify, to sure like, does this actually work for you? Yeah. You know, is this where you want to turn your dining room light on? Or, right. you know, is there are there enough outlets over here for whatever it is you're going to plug in? Right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I always love to talk to other contractors and other females in the field to hear you know what they're doing and how they're doing it and um, obviously we really care about the other people who are doing energy efficient work anyway if somebody wants to reach out to you after the podcast what's the best way to get in touch with you um my email is heather at tjwhome.com and that's the best way to reach me or you can call the office at 766-5919 And if I'm not screening calls, we'll answer the phone. (laughs) I think that's actually a really important aspect to say that hopefully Heather is screening your calls because that means she's out in the field working on a project (laughs) and she will get back to you. Um, I will make sure that I uh, attach a link to your website on uh, the podcast show notes. So if anybody wants to connect afterwards, they can reach out directly to you. So. I appreciate you coming on today, and thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. If you missed catching up with Heather and I yesterday at the Passive House Maine conference, you can check in with me at the Green and Healthy Homes Expo on the 19th in Portland, where I'll be talking about The Pretty Good House. So if you haven't checked it out, go to theprettygoodhouse.org and see what that's all about. Look forward to seeing you at the show and please leave us a note or an email if you'd like to hear something specific on the podcast. Until next week, stay nerdy.